Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumb Cast. In this, the high noon of season five, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every goddamn page of MT2, the Weird Weird West, the second in a trio of time travel adventures for TSR's Marvel Superheroes RPG. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Weird Weird West was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 19 of The Weird Weird West. Today continues chapter 8, entitled No, Not the Mind Probe, and it begins chapter 9, but we don't have time for that today. Today is going to be crowded enough. It is going to be crowded enough with lizard people. Today is Crozar Mania. Today is Crozar Palooza. If today were a level in Zombies Ate My Neighbors, it would be level 19, Day of the Crozar. Just as a reminder of where we are, today we are following Ford's Furies, who met some nice-looking lizard gentlemen in the desert, outside Dodge City, tried to have a chat with them, were beaten up and put under arrest, were dragged to the Crozar camp, and are now being subjected one at a time to the Mind Probe, which is a device that forces them to answer questions that the Crozar are using to determine uh, whether the heroes know anything about the temporal disturbance that has drawn people from across Earth's history to Dodge City in 1871, and also to find out whether these superheroes are a threat. As we discussed yesterday, One very effective way to get through this scene is to somehow delay or prevent your questioning while looking like real shit superheroes so that they decide, fuck it, rather than wasting the time on getting the mind probe together, let's just write these losers up as low security risks and put them on minimum security slave duty. The other way to succeed in this scene is to take the opposite tack to show what badass superheroes you are and to beat up the crows are. Now we've faced large groups of crows are before, and they're meant to be overwhelming forces. As we've discussed, that may or may not be the case, depending on the specifics, your group composition, the situation, but it's also been sort of like an open area, more of a strategic scenario, deciding how you want to approach all these crows are. This is one little room in one little shack. There are 10 crows are here, and if you want to get out, you're just going to have to kick their asses. Not that you can't get a little crafty. Quote, if you were paying attention to the box text earlier which I wasn't, and I was reading it aloud for podcast posterity, so why would you be paying attention? It said, quote, outside the booth, that is the glass booth where you are being mind probed, quote, there is only a bench and a large control console with its mess of wires and cables sloppily drooping down to the floor. The author expects you to pick up on this clue and ask follow-up questions that will assist with your breakout. Quote, if any of the heroes mention the loose tangle of wires springing from the control console and ask to follow the wire's path, inform them that the wires run down to the floor, over to the wall, and around the frame of the room. Observation reveals that many of the cables that tie into the mind probe console pass right underneath the bench upon which the heroes sit. A clever hero can try to kick one of these cables out with his or her foot. Kicking out a cable is an excellent intensity strength feat. If the feat roll succeeds, the power to the mind probe is suddenly cut off ending all questioning that is going on. The control console erupts in a minor explosion that inflicts 25 points of health damage to all the Crozar present in the room and stuns the aliens for one round. The Crozar can move during this round, but not attack. The heroes are too far away to be affected by the blast. Now, based on the map of this room in the research shack, which you can find in the visual companion for today's show, uh, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. It's free for everybody. You can see a picture of this map. It sure looks like we're all pretty much in the middle of what is already a small room. So for that explosion to affect the crows are at the console, but not the player characters, this has to be an extremely tiny and specific explosion, but that's fine. 
This is Crozar technology. If it has obvious safety failings, I would not be at all surprised. And some super teams, Ford's Furies among them, are going to need all the help they can get to take down these Crozar and get out of here. So what's meant to happen is, while one random superhero is strapped up in the evil dentist chair, and the other superheroes are chilling out on the bench waiting their turn to be mind probed, one of the heroes on the bench is meant to make this excellent intensity strength feat and kick out the cord onto the bench. This causes an explosion. The explosion does a ton of damage. I mean, 25 damage, that's almost like an entire trip in our rickety-ass time ship with a historical ignoramus at the wheel. That's a lot of damage. And then with that, in addition to a round of being stunned, our heroes are meant to take the initiative and beat up their captors. So what happens if all this goes to plan? It says here, quote, the Crozar will do everything they can to prevent the heroes from leaving the research shack. And apparently that's all they do, because you've got these injured, stunned Crozar, but there are 10 of them. They just kind of like rush you, maybe some of them block the exits. And if you beat up all of them, quote, if the heroes escaped and cleaned out all of the Crozar, they might want to look around the research shack. In this case, go to chapter six. You could just look around. You just look around, uh, see what's happening in the research shack. You know, no big deal. It's just the mind probe, the storage room, and all of the Crozar's sensitive documents. I mean, I understand 10 Crozar were guarding you. That should have been enough, in theory, as from the Crozar's perspective. But you would think, with 10 guards, surely they can spare one to go and, like, alert somebody that there's been a breakout. Alert somebody that the prisoners have escaped. But no, they, they just fight you to the last breath, to the last lizard, all 10 of them. This is purely a matter of depleting those hit points. And at no point is anybody else alerted because then once you win the battle, it's like, well, all 10 crows are have been defeated. The dungeon is empty. Look around the shack at your leisure. Get on the computers, surf around, check out your web comics, have fun. And I'm not just saying there's a lack of detail about potential reinforcements or whatever. It says go to chapter six. And we know from chapter six, you can wander around this research shack unmolested, hack the computer, read all the files. Nobody shows up. Chapter six is pretty explicit that you have your run of the place. So once you beat up these 10 crows are, nobody else knows or cares what happened to you or those 10 crows are. In this sense, at least the research shack is isolated. It's socially isolated. Nobody checks on it. Nobody cares about it. This is a shack that has fallen through the cracks of society. All to the better as far as you're concerned, because there are clues here that you're supposed to get. In fact, let's say that your victory over the crows are was not quite so decisive. And so Either there's still some up and you're running from them and you're just making a break for the door, or you've beaten them, but you reasonably think maybe at some point more lizard people will show up. So you just immediately book it out of the shack as soon as you take down the last crows are. Quote, if they were able to shake their captors, the heroes might also try to flee. In this case, describe the computer slash data room to them as they make their way out of the shack and explain how the data room looks like it might contain important information that the crows are have collected concerning the temporal disturbance. The heroes will probably make sneaking back into the compound and returning to the shack their next priority. When they do so, you can proceed through chapters 5 and 6. Now, you're probably thinking, if I were running for my life from a bunch of burned, mangled, pissed lizard soldiers who will stop at nothing to probe my brain, I don't think while I was running full bore down a hallway to freedom, I would glance through a side door and think, hmm, that looks like the computer slash data room. And it looks as though they're gathering important information about the temporal disturbance in there. And that does seem unlikely, but you don't know the half of it. If you go to the MDC Visual Companion and you look at that map again, you'll see that the door to the mind probe chamber, if you draw a line from that to the door out, the, the exit of the research shack, the only exit, the same door by which you entered, 
it does not pass the door to the computer slash data storage room. You'd have to be running the opposite direction, up toward a dead end, to run by that door. So the author is really imposing upon the judge here. Like, while the player characters are running for their lives, the, what, six feet to the same door they came in through? Make sure to mention to them that they somehow see that about 12 feet behind them as they're running for their lives, through a doorway over to the right, there's a room full of computers, and those computers look as though they probably contain data about temporal disturbances. Make sure to get that information across, because otherwise, we're going to have real problems with the progress of the plot from here on out. That's got to be the dumbest thing on this page. It's a vital clue that the characters need to come back to the research shack. And, you know, it would be pretty easy to have one of the Crowsar just say to one of the other Crowsar, You, guard the entrance to the data center. We cannot let them see our inconclusive data about the temporal disturbance. Just like that, just like standard comic book over-exposition to people who already know what you're talking about. That's that's very stock superhero stuff, like comic books of this era, totally full of it. Totally reasonable way to express to the characters, hey, there's this door. The lizard people don't want you to go through it. Maybe you should go through it. But instead, the author just instructs the judge to make sure that the player characters see through a door that they are not going to be anywhere near during a desperate escape, possibly because of the Crozar code of dumbass conduct. Um, it's found on this page in chapter 9, which we'll talk about tomorrow, but brief foray into chapter 9. It says of the Crozar Code of Military Combat, quote, Never surrender, never retreat, and always follow the orders of a superior. Never surrender and never retreat maybe explains why none of these 10 guards could tear themselves away from getting their asses kicked long enough to let anyone know that they were in trouble and needed backup. I guess like sending one lizard person out of the room to go guard a different door further back from the fight would have been like a shameful dishonor to that lizard person. All lizard people must charge directly into danger at all times. They must not so much as backpedal to aim. They have to run into your fists. Like monsters in a traditional hacky dungeon crawl. That's kind of like the low-key dumb thing on this page. This is a camp, right? Like, this is not like a, a an ancient crypt that's got like these mindless golems or skeleton warriors in it or something. Like, these are people, sentient people, they're in an organization, they have a hierarchy, they have a structure, they have goals, they have methods, they have resources, but that's not why they're in this story. They're in this story because this author seems to be very comfortable with the kind of role-playing game design where you, like, make a basically linear series of rooms, and in every room is a fight, and the way to win that fight is to deplete the hit points of your opponent until they die or run away, and that's that. Like, never shall the separate universes of these different rooms meet. Each one is its own kind of perfect spotless arena. We saw quite a bit of this in all this in World War II, in fact, with these very sparse artificial environments populated with inescapable fights. And this is not at all that kind of adventure, but this is totally that kind of encounter. So there's a little mismatch going on there where there's like a camp with a logic to it. There are motivations at play here. There are clues to follow. There's a mystery to put together. But there's an encounter dropped into that structure that is just straight up like there are 10 lizard people. You must fight and destroy all 10 lizard people to proceed. And the encounter and the story just don't quite gel in this instance. In any case, Ford's Furies are never going to discover this disconnect because, as you know, they got their asses kicked in the desert by the Crowsar the first time. And this is a team with quite a bit of vulnerability to the standard issue Crowsar weapons. So given the indomitable spirit of Cub Scout, Psyche of 40, a grizzled veteran, a monster hunter, lizard people are kind of like monsters. Given that attitude combined with the vulnerability of the group, what I think is going to happen to Ford's Furies in this scene is they're going to attempt a breakout and get their asses kicked again. So instead of escaping the shack 
in a mad scramble for freedom and clairvoyantly seeing an important clue through a doorway on the other side of the building, they're going to experience conclusion number two for this scene. Quote, if the heroes were questioned, the Crozar will decide to indoctrinate them into their army to serve as slave troops during the upcoming assault. See chapter nine. How tightly secured the heroes are once they've been inducted into the alien army depends upon their answers during this chapter and the last. Ford's Furies have tried to beat up all the Crozar in the vicinity a couple of times in the past hour and have demonstrated significant superpowers, especially iron blood, you know, due to his blood's high iron content. So I think Ford's Furies are going to be classified as maximum security prisoners and then roughly escorted by this small number of still conscious Crozar guards to attend Slave Army Boot Camp in Chapter 9, which we'll discuss next time on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret, patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's theme music, used under Creative Commons license, is Western Firefight 2 by Kula, whose work you can find at Kula.com. That's C-U-L-L-A-H dot com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>